0: This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't
1: necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 131. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr.
0: And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about one of our favorite topics. Favorite, because it is currently, and likely will be for a long time, the most powerful form of marketing that you can control. We're talking about... Email, yes. And specifically, how you can increase the delivery of your emails. In other
1: words, how to make sure that they get into your list's inbox. Yeah, email's only the most powerful tool if people actually receive your emails and actually <laughs> <Right>. read them. <laughs> That's what <laughs> yes. we're going to That is the key. That.
0: That's the key. <laughs> exactly. That's right, But First,
1: uh, some quick news. Our first patrons-only Q&A episode uh, is about to happen. So if, for those of you who are patrons, first off, thank you so much for helping make the show possible. Uh, we really appreciate your patronage. Uh, but we will be answering your questions in the Q&A episode. So go on to patreon.com and put in your questions. And if you're not yet a patron and you want a question answered, now is the time uh, for this month's Q&A. And we have been getting a lot of great questions coming in from folks, so please continue to ask
0: questions. And if you feel like, oh my gosh, I already asked a question, I can't ask two, oh my gosh, you can ask
1: three, four, even five questions, as many as you want. That's right. And stick around till the end. We have a really cool giveaway uh, that we'll be giving away, a contest. Uh, spoiler, it involves gym writing emails for you potentially. uh, So stick (laughs) around for that. Yeah, Um, that'll be good. (laughs) But uh, let's talk about email uh, marketing, email delivery. And like what we talked about, this is really important. Uh, If your emails are not being opened, uh, if they're not being delivered, and I should say 99% of emails that are sent never show up not even in the spam box. So there is a spam box in the cloud where most spam goes to. So only one out of 100 emails shows up on your computer. And of those, some go to the spam box, or if you're using Gmail, some go to spam, some go to promotion, some go to social. And so it's only a fraction of a fraction that shows up in your inbox. And we're going to talk about how... And
0: you've done this, Thomas. Haven't you done it where you've got... Because I know you've got Gmail where you look at your primary and then you look at your social and the other... And, and my oh my gosh, I haven't looked at that thing in weeks or a month. And so you could have had this email that you never got a chance to look at. It, it just, it's off the radar. At least it is for me.
1: Yeah, I don't use the promotions tab in Gmail. I have everything come into one inbox and I'm very, I open every email that I receive. Uh, so if you ever send me an email, I for sure will open it. It doesn't mean I'll respond, but I'll open it. <laughs> but it has and to get
0: to you first, right? <laughs> that's right.
1: And, but I will say, if you send, you know, two boring emails in a row, I'm going to unsubscribe. So I, so I am constantly unsubscribing from emails and I'm very diligent about that. So I, I when I subscribe, I open everything until I get bored and then I unsubscribe. Uh, but I'm an atypical user. Most people, uh, you know, they're constantly marking emails as unread. They have you know thousands of unread emails and then they've got a promotions tab. Uh, that's the more standard way to do it. It's not what we recommend here on the Novel Marketing Podcast. We did an episode a couple of years ago about inbox zero and how you can keep your inbox at zero. But uh, here we're gonna be talking about showing about in other people's inboxes. Now, I'll say this is gonna be a somewhat more technical topic because we need to t- uh, talk about how an internet service provider decides what to deliver and what not to deliver. So how does a spam box work? And so why does it not only deliver 1% of the email? And the reality is, is that they look at a lot of data to decide whether or not your email should be delivered Uh, so they look at your server if your server looks reputable if you're sending from a reputable place but it also looks at the past behavior of the people who've received your email so if somebody has opened up every email you've sent them they're much more likely to get your email than somebody who's opened up none of your emails that you've sent them
0: yeah the
1: technology is making assumptions on your behalf So uh, let's real quick though. I'm going to talk about our featured patron, who is Eloise White. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, but she has a website. Eloise. Eloise. Yeah, soulinspirations.com and it's inspirations with a z and it's a website uh, and community of readers who are interested in Christian fiction there's a directory uh, so Christian fiction authors can put their books on the directory and if you're a fan of Christian fiction you can go and check out uh, the books that they have there and they have a special showcase for indie and small press fiction titles so thank you Eloise for your patronage so let's talk And I talk know ab- Eloise
0: I know I know just a quick comment Thomas I know Eloise just a little bit. and just a quality person. So the work she is doing is top notch. She's got a lot of integrity. So again, we encourage you definitely check out her website, soulinspirations.com.
1: And the website will be in the show notes. So if you want to make sure you've got the right address, you can get it there. All right. So let's talk about some practical things you can start doing right now to improve your deliverability. The first one is double opt-in. This means when somebody goes to your website to sign up for your emails to get your newsletter, they type in their email address, and then they get an email ad- an email immediately that says, please confirm if you want to continue receiving these emails. And this is really important for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps someone from being subscribed maliciously. So I was working with a client, and uh, it's a famous person in the publishing world, And for some reason, this person is just haunted by Russian hackers. (laughs) I don't know what he did, but like (laughs) Russian (laughs) hackers have haunted him for years. And he had a form on his website where if you subscribed, you automatically got it added to his email list without any double opt-in. And these hackers are sending thousands of email addresses into this form of people who had not subscribed, often people who were in Russia. And so they're like, why am I getting this email in English about book stuff. I don't care about this, and they were marking them as spam. And one of the things that ISPs look at to decide if you're a spammer or not, if you should be delivered, is have people marked you as spam. So marking an email as spam is a huge deal. If somebody marks you as spam, that means there's probably a 1,000 people who are now not going to see your email because you have got marked as spam. Uh, and so depending on how big your list is, you know, you have two, if you have a list of two or three thousand people and five people mark you a spam, you may no longer be delivered. In fact, MailChimp or whoever you use may kick you off the service because you're poisoning their reputation. So they protect their reputation. So getting marked a spam is a big deal. And um, there's nothing he didn't do. Any, here's what's crazy. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, he had a sign-up form. Somebody else went to his sign-up form and maliciously signed up all of these people for whatever reason. Why do Russian hackers do what they do? I don't know. But uh, he had no protection until we turned on double opt-in. We turned on double opt-in on everything. The problem went away. Uh, So this is a really important uh, element and probably the easiest, most important thing to do. There's a trend away from double opt-in. A lot of services now have it turned off by default. And it is true that a lot of subscribers are now not expecting double opt-in. So MailChimp famously no longer has double opt-in turned on by default. It's now turned off by default. And the reasoning they gave is that 60% of people who subscribe... Uh, don't click confirm. <laughs> so uh, your list is going to grow small slower uh, if people aren't uh, opting in. But what's the point of having somebody on your list that you have to pay for, because MailChimp costs money, if they're not going to even click on the confirmation email? <laughs> if they're not going to click on the confirmation email, they're not going <laughs> to click the buy button. right? <laughs> they're not that engaged. And so it doesn't make sense to pay for that person when they're not helping. Uh, The next tip is to create the kind of emails that people want to open. Uh, So ISPs look at the open rate for emails when determining spam status. So Jim, how do we create the kind of emails that people want to open?
0: Well, it all comes down to content, right? Content is king. And so if we send out technically correct emails, but they are not something people are going to want to read, they stop reading them, and the i s p says, "Oh, this is an interesting contact so content so remember not only in your stories but in every single thing you write and in when I teach this in workshops, I say, "Yes, that counts for every email you are sending anywhere, it's every Facebook post, tweet, et cetera, et cetera But it is crucial when you're sending out to your list because the reality is they'll probably read." actually more of your newsletter content than they will your novels. You might have somebody on your list for two years before they finally decide, Ah, oh, you know what? This is pretty good. I'm, I'm getting a feel for your style and your personality. I'm going to give one of your short stories or one of your novels a shot. So the content has to be excellent. Or to Thomas's point, he says, yeah, I'll give them one bad uh, email and then they send me two and I'm done. I'm going to subscribe to something else because there's so much good content out there. Thomas doesn't have to
1: sacrifice his time. He can go somewhere else and get entertaining content. That's right. And the best way to have good content, because it's one thing to say you need to have good content, but what is good content for you? What is good content for your readers? The answer is it depends on who your readers are. And the best way to find out is to survey your readers. Uh, In fact, to give an example of this, we did this on the Novel Marketing Podcast. A few months ago, we did a survey. We asked you to fill out a survey. And we've gotten some feedback. You know, people are like, oh, your show's getting better. You know, we, we like what you're doing. The reason it's getting better is that we actually asked you what you wanted and we learned a little <laughs> bit more about who's listening and we found out, Wow. A lot of our listeners write nonfiction. So this whole like novel marketing podcast being only for novelists, there's a lot of nonfiction folks that write or a lot of people who write both. And almost everyone is indie. So every time we would talk about traditional publishing, everyone would get super bored. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, maybe we won't talk so much about how to get an agent and talk more about you know how to design a good book cover and this same kind of thinking applies to you and your readers. Let th- ask them what they're looking for, what are they expecting. And it may just be a really good short story once a month. I think that that if you write a compelling short story once a month and you send it out to your list, man, that is gold. If you're a novelist, you're giving them a taste of your reading. You're getting them hooked on you. It doesn't have to be long. It could be flash fiction, even. Or it could be a short story about something that's happened in your life. So it can be real. It doesn't have to take place in your story world. Uh, But whether or not they want that, you have to ask them. And there's a lot of power in just saying, hey, what do you want? You can survey your readers for free. You can create a survey monkey, uh, up to 10 questions for free. You can do a Google form up to however many questions you want for free. Uh, Great ways to survey your readers to find out what they're looking for, how to create the kind of emails they want to open.
0: Next thing, Thomas, is creating an onboarding campaign. And this is something that a lot of people who use MailChimp don't even think about. In other words, is there, first of all, a hey, thank you for subscribing, automatic letter that goes out to your readers. And that is very, something that's very simple to use. Again, even a non-tech guy like me, and, and I'm a MailChimp fan, and Thomas is as well, that can easily be, be set up. So somebody subscribes, they get an email automatically coming to you, you welcome them, you tell them some cool things, you have some cool content in there, etc. But we want to talk a little bit about an onboarding campaign,
1: not just one email, but a series of emails that go out. Yeah, we did this uh, for the Novel Marketing Insiders Program, which is our free email newsletter that anybody can sign up for on novelmarketing.com. And we have a series of emails. Right now, it is seven emails long. And the first email has a 51% open rate. That is incredible. And our lowest email has a 48%, no, 46% open rate. That's our worst performing email, has almost 50% of the people subscribing opening to it. That is Unbelievably powerful. And the purpose of this drip campaign... That's high. For those of you who don't aren't familiar with open rates, that is really, really high. Yeah, standard open rates for an email are somewhere between 20% and 30%. So 60% is twice like the best that you would expect. And it's because of this drip campaign. And what it allows us to do is it introduces people to the Novel Marketing Podcast over a series of emails. We share some of the most popular, some of the most controversial episodes. In email number two, we ask people, uh, what their biggest frustration is. This is where we get uh, ideas for future episodes. But also them emailing us back signals to their ISP that hey, I really want to get these emails. So there's a a dual function there. We genuinely want to know what your biggest frustrations are with marketing, but we also want you to signal to your ISP hey, I want to get these emails. So it creates that two way communication. This is the 2018 equivalent of what you were always asked to do back in the 90s of like, please add us to your address book, (laughs) which does still work. The ISPs do look at uh, the address book to decide whether or not to deliver an email, but they look at engagement even more. In fact, often replying with an email will add it to your address book. And so this drip series uh, drips out over time and it introduces people to the show, which allows our normal emails that we send out from time to time to assume that people already have all of these basics figured out. And that's really helpful for us. And uh, that's actually, the contest we'll be giving away is we will write a drip sequence for you if you win our contest for free. Jim and I will sit down and craft a drip sequence for your book. And it will be used as a template for everybody else. So all of our listeners will be able to see your drip sequence. So they'll be reading about your books and whatnot. We'll have more about that later. But uh, setting up a drip sequence is really useful. And it also helps kind of sort out the reader. So some people who aren't interested will unsubscribe during that drip sequence, which is what you want. You do not want people on your email list who don't actually want to read your emails. So onboarding campaign, drip sequence, those are the same terms for the same concept. And for a long time, people have talked about doing that with ConvertKit, but you actually can do it with MailChimp uh, for for free. used to have the paid version of MailChimp to do that. Now you can do it with the free version. MailChimp.
0: The next thing you want to do when you're thinking about sending out um, your emails is avoid the fancy template. And those of us who are artistic, like you, love all these fancy nuances and photos and graphics and this big, huge, fancy template that's really cool looking. The problem with that is it gets filtered out often By the ISPs. So you're going to end up in the promotions tab or you're going to end up nowhere when you do that.
1: Also, they just don't perform as well. We've done a lot of tests with just plain text emails and emails with a fancy template. And the reality is the plain Jane ones, the ones that look like they came from a real person perform better. They get more clicks and they drive more attention. And if you you subscribe to the novel marketing emails, you'll see that we don't use a lot of fancy graphics. We'll have some images here and there. It's not like it's nothing but text and occasionally some like bolded text or something like that but they're very, very simple and those tend to work much, much better. Uh, The one exception to this is if you're sending e-commerce emails, you may still want to go uh, with Fancy, but in that case, you really do want to end up in the Promotions tab because if your email is very promotional, and you show up not in the promotions tab, you're actually more likely to get marked as spam. So there is a school of thought that you don't fight the tabs uh, and that if you were sending out pure promotions, you actually want to go in the promotions tab. Although authors, especially the kind of authors sending out a free short story once a month I think that that very much is eligible for the main inbox. <laughs> that's that's You're giving me a gift. You're not promoting something. Yeah, maybe in the PS, you're like, oh, and by the way, the short stories with characters that are in such and such book and you link to it, but it doesn't feel like a promotion. And so it, it feels like the kind of email I would want to open. Uh, the next piece of advice is to use a trusted sender like MailChimp or ConvertKit. Uh, so Beginning authors often make the mistake of just BCCing everyone in their address book, and this is terrible. Uh, There's a million reasons why this is terrible. It's very unprofessional. People can't unsubscribe. If they mark you as spam, it can poison your entire email so you can't send to normal people. Uh, It doesn't scale. Uh, It's also potentially illegal. You just do not want to do that, Uh, and your emails may not be delivered. Whereas if you're using something like MailChimp or ConvertKit, and those are the two that I recommend, by the way, MailChimp, if you're just starting off, ConvertKit, if you're more advanced uh, and you're wanting, you're you're more established, Uh, but even Constant Contact, which I think is just the worst, it at least is a trusted sender. They have a good reputation and they will help improve your deliverability. So having a trusted sender is very important. Uh, Another thing that's important is to send frequently. So Jim, why do we want to send emails uh, frequently?
0: Well, the reality is people buy from people they are familiar with, right? So if you've seen an ad for somebody, say, on TV or radio or in email, once you get familiar with that person, you are much more likely to do business and interact with them. If you haven't heard about this person, it's like, oh, they're still around? Oh, I thought they went away. I thought they went out of business. Well, they think the same thing as you as an author because you are a business. So The idea of frequently being in front of them is powerful. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but gosh, they're only opening one out of every three emails. That's true. But the very fact that they see your name and they glance at it and they go, oh, gosh, yeah, I don't have time to read that right now. But you are still have risen to the top of their, what we will call reticular activator. The reticular activator is what filters out things that we don't have time or attention for. You want to be in front of somebody so that you're not so filtered out that they don't recognize you when you come along with an offer that they want to take advantage of.
1: There's a psychological phenomenon called the spotlight effect, which is where we tend to think that people pay more attention to us than they really do. When you walk into a room, everyone is thinking about what you're wearing, when in reality they're all thinking about what they're wearing, or they're thinking about themselves. And this is very true with email. I find people are often terrified to send an email, because they're like, this email will be glowing in the inbox, and everyone's going to spend all the special attention to it. <laughs> and the reality is, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, your email is going to be treated just like all of the other emails. And so you need to, that's one of the reasons why you need to send frequently, is that the fact that you send once a year when you write a new book isn't enough. People forget you, and the time. But the other, and maybe this is the most important reason, is that if you don't send to your list frequently enough, you'll end up in spam traps. So let me explain what a spam trap is. Let's say Jim has a Comcast email address and he decides that he doesn't like Comcast as his internet service provider anymore. And so he cancels Comcast and he moves somewhere else and his Comcast email address stops working. Well, what Comcast will do is that for a few months, If you send an email to his Comcast address, it will bounce back saying this email no longer exists. And if you're using something like MailChimp or ConvertKit, it will get that bounce and remove Jim from the list. But after a few months, Comcast will then turn Jim's email address into a spam trap. Say the only people still sending email to this address are spammers. And I had this with a client. They hadn't sent to a list in a year. And they had so many spam traps built up, they weren't able to send to the list anymore. They had poisoned their list because they didn't send to it frequently enough. And so it's very important to send to your list frequently enough where you're still getting the bounce. Because what happens is that if once Jim's Comcast email address is turned into a spam trap, every email sent to that email address is marked as spam, just into the future, and that can be really poisonous uh, if you have those spam traps on your list. That said, you don't want to send too frequently. <laughs> so you want to send frequently, but not too frequently. So uh, if you spend too frequently, people will get annoyed uh, with your emails and they'll unsubscribe. Or some people use the a spam button as a way of... Uh, you know, unsubscribing from a list. Uh, I think that for novelists, the ideal frequency is monthly unless you have a new release coming out. Um, but Jim, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. If, if you have riveting content, I mean, really riveting content. Great. Send every two
0: weeks or send every three weeks. That's fine. But my gosh, way better to send once a month, a, a stellar newsletter than twice a month with, with something that's, yeah, it's okay. It's pretty good. Um, I guess we want to just take the pressure off you. You do not have to be sending all the time. And there is this element of mystery, and, and we can get into this probably in a, another episode, Thomas. I think it'd be interesting to talk about this. But frequency breeds contempt. Is that the, the phrase? What it, Familiarity breeds content, contempt. In other words, if you're there all the time, then it's not special at all, and it becomes mundane. It becomes ordinary. It does become mediocre. Simply... By the fact that they're hearing from you all the time. So leave a tinge of mystery. Leave a
1: bit of anticipation in your readers' minds. That's right. Uh, the minimum you need to send is at least quarterly. So don't feel like, oh, if I send half once, twice a year, that's good mystery. No, they'll forget you. Uh, but uh, so at least once a quarter, I would say no more than once a week uh, unless. unless You have a really good reason. Uh, And and I will say, if you have a book that's launching, you can get away with multiple emails during launch week. Book comes out tomorrow, book comes out today. Um, Two emails back to back, that's fine. And I found doing this with clients that they don't see a spike and unsubscribes like they would if they had normally sent out multiple emails in a week. And the reason is, is that people realize this is for, for a special event. And they're often wanting to get multiple emails because they want it, you know, the whole reason are on your list, hopefully, is to know when your new book comes out. Just like if you're at a writer's conference, you're on a writer's conference email list, you want to get emailed multiple times that early bird your registration is about to close, right? You don't want one email that suddenly you miss. Like, you're okay with getting multiple emails about that because you know you're not going to be getting that frequency around the calendar, or around the year. Um, so a lot of authors that are really struggle about, what do I write about? How do I send something every quarter? How do I send something every month? And uh, one of the things that we do, we recommend is that you recommend books by similar novelists. Jim? Yeah, you're not, you think, why would I do that? Why would I send people to
0: buy books from my competition and take money out of my pocket? You're really not doing that. You are seen as a resource. I mean, my gosh, if you send somebody to a book you love and you explain this is why I love it and I think this is why you're going to love it, they're gonna and and they love it. They're gonna come back and go, oh my gosh, Jim's got great recommendations or Thomas has great recommendations. They see you as a resource. They see you as a friend. They see you as somebody that well, thank you very much. I appreciate there. There's a connection made there because the reality is your core readers, those people who want to read your book and they send you letters. Those are the people who are also saying, "I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want another book like this. I, I only read one book this week. Give me give me other content to read." So it actually becomes a positive thing not a negative thing
1: it also forces you to read books that are similar to yours which i find so few authors do and it really hurts their writing you need to know what's resonating you need to know what's working not to copy it but to be similar enough to it so that you can also resonate you don't want to be out of tune with the world around you no one wants to listen to music that's out of tune doesn't mean every song has to be the same but you have to be tuned correctly and so you need to have that resonance and so this is a great exercise to help you keep that resonance. All right, let's talk about some technical things. One is to eliminate bounces. Uh, Nice thing if you use a uh, mail sending service, they will do this for you automatically. Uh, There are two kinds of bounces Uh, you'll often see talked about as a hard bounce and a soft bounce. A hard bounce is this email address no longer exists. That means it's gone for good, Uh, no reason to send it to this again. A soft bounce is something like inbox size exceeded, right? So somebody's got a small inbox and they ran out of space and so it's bounced. So it may be that they will go into their inbox and delete some emails, and those emails will stop bouncing. But it's also possible the reason why the inbox is exceeded is because they've stopped checking emails into those in that inbox. And so they just keep piling and piling and piling. So it's full. And what uh, MailChimp will do is after a certain number of soft bounces, it will remove them. So if you have a certain number of soft bounces in a row, you know, you'll be removed. Uh, another thing that's important is to eliminate inactive emails. We're doing this on the author media. Newsletter right now. In fact, I haven't done this in so long. I'm eliminating thousands of email addresses off of our list. And the reason why I'm doing this is that whether or not your people open up your email determines how it's delivered and where it's delivered. And Quite frankly, I don't want to pay for, to send emails to somebody who's not opening my emails. <laughs> I, I have, you know, Author Media has got thousands and thousands of subscribers. That's you know, hundreds of dollars every year that we're spending on MailChimp, and we could save a lot of money by reducing the dead weight from the list. So how we're doing it on MailChimp is I've created a list of two-star subscribers. These are people who've not opened up an email recently, and then I'm sending them a series of emails. The first one was like, would you like to keep receiving emails? If so, click this link. And then the next email is, last chance, if we don't hear from you, uh, we're going to unsubscribe you. And if you want to unsubscribe, click here. If you want to stay on the list, click here. And then finally, there's a goodbye. We have unsubscribed you from the list. If we did this by mistake, (laughs) click here to resubscribe. (laughs) And each email, (laughs) I have it set up in the automation to look at the last email and only send to the people, to the two-star people who didn't click on any link in the previous email. And what I've what's happened is that we're you know some people are clicking the link and I'm getting some emails from folks who are like, "Oh no, I really want to stay on the list," which is encouraging <laughs> to hear that people really, you know, do enjoy receiving our emails. But to a whole lot of them, they probably changed email addresses or they gave up me their spam email address that they never check because just because they wanted the free thing that we were giving away. And now I'm able to eliminate those people off the email and uh, off the list, and the result is going to be my open rates are going to go up by probably ten percent ten or fifteen percent I'm expecting on the author media list, and how much I spend on MailChimp is going to go down by 30%. So it is wins all the way around. The one downside is <laughs> I won't have as big of a list when it comes to bragging rights to other people like, hey, how big is your list? <laughs> and, and who cares, right? That's the
0: thing. I mean, who cares? Because what time of the year is it, Thomas? What time of it's spring, right? It is pruning time, right? You're going out to that garden or your bushes and, and you're doing a little pruning. So that's exactly what you're doing to your list. And it's something that has to be done on a fairly regular basis.
1: That's right. And it's true, we're going to eliminate some people who are going to want back on the list, but each email has ways of getting back on the list if they dig it up later. And there's nothing keeping these people from resubscribing at some point in the future. Uh, another important uh, thing, and this is, seems pretty basic, but you need to have a consistent from name. So when it says the email is from Jim Rubart, he needs to always be from Jim Rubart. Uh, so, this is a, you know, a challenge for us when we're sending emails from novel marketing. Who should the email come from? Should it come from Thomas Umstadt? Should it come from James Rubart or Jim Rubart? Or should it come from novel marketing? And what we've been doing uh, is having the emails come from novel marketing. And the reason for that is that people open the email more based off of who it's from than based off of uh, the subject. So, if your significant other sent you an email and it had no subject at all, you would open it because of who it's from, right? Or if it had the world's most boring subject, you'd still open it. Whereas if somebody sent you an email and you didn't recognize them, had a really compelling subject, but you didn't recognize your name, you'd be less likely to recognize them. So you're building that brand value on uh, the from name in the email.
0: And it's it's surprising. Well, it's surprising how many times, I don't know if you run into this, Thomas, but I run into this a lot of times when I'm doing one-on-one consulting with people. The first thing I say is, yeah, loves to write books in Kentucky at gmail.com. That, that's not a great email address, right? And a lot of people have them. And when I pointed out they, that your first contact is what that the, the, they see who it's from, they kind of go, oh, you're right. Maybe it should be my name. So it, whether it's email, just personal emails, or it's an email like this, it really ties into your brand in a strong, strong way.
1: All right. Uh, the next thing is you need to... Uh subscribe to your own newsletter and check your sending reputation. So every server has a sending reputation. So MailChimp has multiple servers that they use. They have the good ones and they have the bad ones. And you can find out if you're on a good one or not by subscribing to your own email. And then if you're using Gmail, uh, you go show original. You want to see the core email with all of the metadata in it. And it will have a list of... um, your IP address that the email came from. You copy that IP address, and then you go to senderscore.org, and you paste in the email address, and it will tell you what the reputation is of that specific IP address. Every IP address on the internet has a reputation, a good one or a bad one. And if you're on a bad reputation IP, I recommend that you move to a different... Well, I recommend you remove the inactive people from your list. (laughs) So remove all the two star subscribers and then move to a new service. Uh, Or maybe just doing that will get you put on a better service. Uh, Another thing that's important is that you need to set your SPF, DKIM, and DMARC settings so that they all say pass. Uh, So this is a really important aspect of your sending reputation. MailChimp does not force you to do this. A lot of email programs will force you to go through this process. But a lot of authors who are using MailChimp, they don't even know what an SPF record is. They've not set it and it's really hurting their deliverability. It takes maybe 20 minutes to set up and MailChimp has really good instructions on how to do it. So they allow you to do it. They just don't force you to do it, which in some ways is good because it's very friendly to new users. But if you go years without setting your SPF record, you're really doing yourself a disservice. And we are gonna have a link to MailChimp's instructions because I know most of you are using MailChimp in the show notes, which actually now we have a cool new feature. If you just swipe uh, to the side in your podcasting app, you can see our show notes in your app. In the leaks actually click, which is really cool. Um, so we've upgraded the podcast in that way. Thanks to all of you who are patrons and are helping us make improvements uh, to the show. But I really encourage you to set your SPF records. Uh, I've just went through and did this for all of our different brands. And uh, this is getting more important every year, whether or not you have your SPF records and DKIM records set up correctly.
0: Thomas, are we ready? Let's do it. Okay, contest time. So we want to create for you. And those of you who have become a novel marketing insider and have subscribed, you've seen this at work, as Thomas animated earlier in the conversation. You've seen this drip campaign work and we are giving the chance for one of you to have this done for you. And not only for your books, but for your brand, who you are. Really build that campaign. So when a subscriber, when someone subscribes to your email newsletter list, you're going to be able to send this out and really engage and start to build a relationship with them.
1: And the reason we're doing this is we wanted to create as one of our monthly resources uh, for our listeners, a example drip campaign for a novelist. And we were gonna do it for a fictional novelist of just example emails. Here's email one, here's email two, here's email three. But then we're like, why do it for a fictional novelist when we can do it for one of our listeners? And then we're like, how do we pick a listener? It's like, I don't know. So we're actually gonna use contest software. It'll be on novelmarketing.com. You can enter your email address. You do have to to be eligible to win, you need to write a safe for work novel. So uh, we may do this contest again in the future for nonfiction, but we're specifically wanting to give an example of of a uh, of doing it for fiction, and and it needs to be safe for work because we don't want to offend anyone. Uh, but we would love to do it for your book. We will sit down. We are going to do the work. You will get it uh, for free. The one um, thing we ask, though, is that you allow us to share your emails with everybody else, which is an advantage for you because <laughs> all of right. our listeners will be seeing the emails that talk about your book and they may be tweaking them to talk about their own book, but they'll be doing it about their book. It'll be in a different genre. So if this sounds interesting to you, uh, there's no cost to enter. You don't have to be a patron to enter. In fact, patrons aren't going to be given special anything. They, If you're a patron, you want to win, you can win, but you have to enter like everybody else. Just go to novelmarketing.com. Uh, on the homepage. We'll have the information. We'll also have a link in the show notes. If you swipe to the site on your podcast app, you can click there and enter to win as well. And we're really excited to do this. Uh, I I think it'll be helpful both for the author who wins, but it'll also be helpful for everybody else to see what a drip sequence looks like for a novel. And Thomas
0: said you have to
1: write a safe for work novel. What he means is you
0: have to have written. So it's not a a requirement to write a new novel for this.
1: Uh, It's it's probably a book you've already written. That's right. Yeah, we want to be able to start on this right away. Don't wait for two years for you to finish your book. <laughs> yes,
0: and and one thing you uh, keep in mind, you are probably odds are you're listening to this in your car, or maybe you're listening to it while you're out for a run, or or that kind of thing. And so, consequently, a lot of people like, oh, I'm going to do that when I get home. They don't do it. So your odds of winning are pretty good uh, by just going and entering on NovelMarketing.com.
1: You have been listening to James L. Rubart, bestselling author, and Thomas Umstadt Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.